Welcome to Start Canada Podcast, where we interview startup founders, innovators, and thought leaders from the heart of Canada who are challenging the status quo, scaling their business, and bringing new ideas to life. Tune in with me, your host, Margot Miller, to hear firsthand exactly how they did it. Start Canada Podcast is powered by the Manitoba Technology Accelerator and Tech Manitoba and sponsored by Scotiabank. off season three, we are super excited today to bring you a conversation with Catherine Matricki. She is the founder of Calia Flowers. We talk all about how she launched and grew her tech business, which has reimagined the way that we send flowers. We get into how Catherine secured a deal on Dragon's Den with Manjeet Minhas, which has since provided the support necessary for Calia to be able to open all across Canada. From first starting out in a basement in Winnipeg in 2016, Calia Flowers is now in over 55 cities across Canada and continues to disrupt the floral industry. If you have ever wondered how to scale a business or whether Dragon's Den is worth it for you, then this is the episode to catch. Catherine, without further ado then, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Margaret. I'm super excited to be here. So excited to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a couple seasons and, that, and during that whole time, you guys have continued to disrupt the flower industry and expanded to a bunch of other cities in Canada. But take us back kind of to the beginning. What has the journey been like for your startup that literally started in a basement to today? Like, what does that journey in, in Cole's Notes form look like? Yeah, you know, I, I I was saying it feels like four months and also like 40 years. It's actually been four years, but it's, it's been quite the journey. I think um, you alluded to the fact that it started in the basement. That is true. It was an idea and a side project and a, there might be something here and mm -hmm. running that and a full-time job at the same time. My husband and I, well, boyfriend at the time, delivering bouquets across Winnipeg, like just crazy kind of hacky startup MVP make it work. And, yep. and then we started to grow and, and we've been fortunate to be supported a lot along the way, like great mentorship, great investment support. Um, we started to, you know, I hired my first employee. We opened our second city, hired a couple more people, opened a few more cities. And, and as you mentioned, now we've been fortunate to be able to grow quite a bit. And so it's, it feels like a real business now. I, I say that every time, you know, it didn't really feel like a real business and now it kind of feels like a real business. And I think I, I we're really lucky. There's been a lot that's been supporting us along the way. Yeah. Talk about at the beginning a little bit more when you say, you know, when you don't feel like it's a real business yet, there's a lot of people out there who have side hustles or things that they think, well, I don't know if this is really something that I can make work. How did you know you could make it work? Oh, I mean, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> like if we're actually going to make Fair. this work, but I, I hope so. Um, I think there's two things and, and in the advice that I got along the way, I think the first was that um, you have to just start. And I, by, by nature, I'm quite a perfectionist. I like things to be right. I think like things to be proper. I want them to be, you know, my vision of what this could be. And I got good advice early on um, saying like, you just need to get something out there. It's not going to be perfect. You know, I was stickering boxes myself at five in the morning um, before I went into my real job. Like they, they were awful. The bouquets were weird. The delivery process was terrible. I built the website myself. Like I, I only know how to make things bold. Like I, it wasn't great. <laughs> yes, but... me too. That's my website design <laughs> yeah, experience. And, yeah. But I just had to do something. And I think um, it was such good advice. And it's advice that I pass on as much as I can, because if I had waited, you know, 18 months or two years or 
or who knows how long to get that first bouquet out or to get that first website launched. Like that'd be two years where nothing had happened. And, and maybe I wouldn't even know at that point. And mm-hmm. so um, I got really good advice just to to figure something out and just to start and put something out into the market and yeah. see how, how it works. And, you know, the buzzwords are traction and MVP and product market fit and all those things. But really it's, you know, is this product something that anybody even wants to buy? Can you even make this work? Um, and I, I remember the very first bouquet that somebody bought that um, I didn't know, like the person I didn't know. Right. So obviously it was like my mom and my mom's friends and like yeah. my friends and like yeah. probably you were buying bouquets early on, right? Like it's, um, and it was always people I knew. And I remember the first order came in and it was a Friday night, um, Friday afternoon, maybe like four o'clock. And the order came in and I was working my full-time job and got the ping on my phone. And I called my boyfriend. I said, oh my God, I just got this first order. Like this random woman, so like so-and-so, she ordered this bouquet. And he's like, awesome. Like, that's so great. You know, when is the delivery for? And um, part of my hacking the website was that I didn't know how to turn dates off. So on the date picker for delivery, um, I just wrote this little note saying, you know, only delivering Monday to Friday, um, assuming that people would like just heed the note, even though technically they could order on Saturday right. and Sunday. Um, and I, I looked at the order in panic and realized she'd ordered for Saturday. And I said, oh my God, like, like what am I going to do? You know, I wasn't keeping flowers on hand at the time. Like I was buying them as they were coming. Like, what am I going to do? Um, and so I emailed her and I said, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't get these out for Saturday. Like, it's going to have to be Monday. And then half an hour later, I was like, no, 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 I can't tell her that. So I emailed her back and I was like, no, just kidding. Like, I'm going to find a way. I'll get it out on Saturday. Um, and I am ashamed to say I, I went to a, a, a local place where you could buy flowers and I purchased flowers on Saturday morning and I packed the bouquet in uh, the Tim Hortons parking lot and I delivered it like all the way across town in Transcona. And I lost like, I don't know, $50 on that bouquet, but we delivered it. Wow. Like, That's the first experience. Right? See, that is such yeah. an amazing story because I think we hear a lot from people about how when you're starting out, that customer service piece, that like get it done attitude is so important. Yeah. did you know that? Like, you knew that in the moment, I guess. Hey, well, that, 30 minutes later. Right, 30 minutes <laughs> I don't later. think she ever ordered again. <laughs> that was okay. But that's because your flower yeah. quality is so high yeah, now. I guess, yeah. You're not buying from the other guys. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Take me back to, to the point where you were saying you got this advice to just start, right? Because mm-hmm. we hear that a lot. Like, part of the reason we named the show Start Podcast, yes. Start yep. Canada, is because you have to just get started. And that's consistent advice. But how did you find and trust the right person to give you that advice? Did you have a mentor and and how did you find them? You know, so early on, um, I I was trying to figure out this entrepreneurial thing. Like I'd never been an entrepreneur. I was corporate all the way, right? Like risk is bad. Hacking is bad. Figuring things out is bad. And so um, I was trying to kind of play the waters a little bit to see, you know, who do I know that's done this before? And I was fortunate to have um, some great support from entrepreneurs who'd come before me. And, you know, we talk about great Manitoba startup companies and businesses and Skip the Dishes is obviously one of them. And um, I owe owe a lot of credit to some of the mentorship I've had from those guys, particularly Josh. Um, And I went to Josh early on and said, I'd known him before and said, hey, you know, I've got this idea, like I'm going to try this and see, and what should I do? And he introduced me to a few people, one of whom was Marshall Ring at the Manitoba Tech Accelerator, a sponsor, way to go. Um, And, 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 you know, Marshall sat down with me and and we, we clicked early on, which I think was important. I think that's one of my best pieces of advice for mentorship. Like you need people that you vibe with. Make sure there's that match between you. Totally. Um, And, and identified kind of a couple key milestones. And he said, like, can you sell, I think it was at the time, like six bouquets a week. Can you sell six bouquets a week? And if you can sell six bouquets a week, then we can talk about the next step. To strangers. And then it was, yes. <laughs> not to my mom. <laughs> right. um, then, then after six, can you sell 15 a week? And then can you sell hundred a week? And then like, how does that scale from there? And I think um, I really needed that support to be able to figure out what are, if you're trying to get from here all the way to there, like what are some of your little pieces that you can tackle along the way?
away? Mm-hmm. What are some of those early milestones? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've been lucky. Like, I've been really fortunate to get these people in my corner who are willing to just to support you and to share their advice and to tell you what they think and to, to really champion small business and, mm-hmm. and startups in Manitoba. And, and I've, I've really been lucky to have that. Yeah, we are really lucky with the community that we have mm-hmm. here. And I think it's sometimes like undervalued or people don't totally recognize everything available to them no matter where they live. Like I think a lot of times, no matter where you're starting your idea, whether it's a small regional like area or a really big city, you feel kind of alone sometimes, right? So I think finding those people who are in your corner is really important. And it is important that they're not from just your family and friends, yes. like to, to your point before. <laughs> also important, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want them to be in your corner too, yeah. but it's harder to validate with those people, right? So... Talk to about being a risk adverse person because you kind of mentioned that in there. And I think a lot of people are in that situation, right? Where they're working full time, they have a good stable job, they know they have an idea, but again, how do you decide to kind of put it, put all your eggs in that basket? And so you talked about some of those milestones, but how, what did you have to do personally to like flip that switch to trust yourself? You know, it's a good question. And, and I try and think back to, you know, where I was at at the time. I think it got to the point where you know, all I wanted to do was Calia. And um, there wasn't really another option. It was like, I either I'm going to jump into this or I'm not. But it was at a stage in my life where it was, if you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do it? Um, and I, I had some of those early milestones, some of the early traction to feel like, okay, there is some data here. Not great data, really sketchy data, but, but there's something. And um, we also, at the time, with the support of my mentors, when I say we, um, identified, you know, how long are you going to trial this for before you jump back? So if you're going to go work in this business for six months full time, um, and I think that's what it was, you know, I, I worked full time in Calia about six months after it started. So kind of January, 2017. And it was, you know, if you can't get to this milestone by June, then you can go back and get another job. Um, and we actually didn't make it to the milestone by June, but there were other things going on. So it was okay. But, um, like really making that, you know, bite-sized pieces. And, and I'm trying to think about the mentality. I do think it was this, if not now, then when, um, and I think we are fortunate to, to have the support network and the opportunities where like you can kind of take this leap. And I don't know how many times in your life you can take it, but I think it's important to take it once. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that when you take that leap and you trust yourself, obviously that's when you're going to feel the most passion and feel the most traction with your business too. And I think a lot of times we undervalue our skills in a way, right? Because at the end of the day, if after that six months trial that you really gave yourself, you made sure that you had enough funding for to live yourself yep. that six months, right? So you, you did have some things in place. But after that six months, you trusted yourself that you'd be able to get another job. Like you still had a good background. You still had really good skills and experience, yep. right? People are not going to undervalue the fact that you tried a business, you'll still be able to get another job, right? So yeah, trusting it, yourself. It's interesting, you know, early on I went to, so you talk about support systems and, and growth, you know, at the time Innovate Manitoba was around. And so I went through a number of programs through Innovate Manitoba. Um, I was really well supported, you know, through some of their weekly or weekend seminars and those kinds of things. And I remember Randy Thompson, um, who now is with VA Angels and all sorts of things, um, was facilitating this, this workshop. And he looked around the table and there were probably, I don't know, eight or 10 of us. Um, and he said, now, how many of you are here because you're unemployable. And everyone else around the table except me put up their hand. And I was like, what do you mean? And I looked and I remember like going home that night being like, I don't know about this. Like this was day one of learning to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, I don't know about this. Like I'm actually very employable. Like right. this is great. <laughs> um, and like, maybe I don't quite fit here. Um, but I caught the bug and like, I'm not sure if I'm employable anymore. <laughs> like it's because you become an entrepreneur. And so you I learn see. like, you know, one of the things I was going to say is like, of course, you know, after that six months, I could go back and say, you know, I've learned how to fail. I've 
learned how to pivot from scratch. I've learned how to do all of these things. And those are really important skills. Um, but it's also hard because even though you've learned those skills, now you're addicted to those skills. And I don't know what the future looks like for entrepreneurs, but it's it's once you've been in it, I think it's it's a different world and, mm. and you see from there. Catherine, how do you learn how to fail? Oh, well, with difficulty. And, and I think often by being put into the scenario, I think my tolerance for failure is so much higher than it was before. Um, by definition of, you know, how, how entrepreneurship runs and how startup runs and how when you're moving fast, like you don't have options. You know, we were talking about, we have, we have a number of new people on the team and we were talking about coming up to Valentine's Day and what does that look like for Calia? And obviously perishable product is a huge thing for us. So you have to have just enough flowers, but not too many. And, and our volumes these days, like that, that's a big number. And um, they said, well, what happens if we have too many? And I was recalling, you know, February 2017 or 18, I don't know what year, and we had way too many flowers. Like my forecasting was awful. We had, and I mean, now it seems kind of funny, but like we had a hundred bouquets left over after Valentine's Day. And February 15th, I got in my car, my little baby blue Honda Fit that I still drive. Um, and I drove to the corner of Portage in Maine and I accosted strangers as they walked past on February 15th being like, you need to buy this bouquet for $20. Um, and like that was, was that just failure. covering your costs basically? Trying. Yeah, like, Less than cost. Um, And like, that was one of the biggest failures. Like when I think about learning to fail, like that was probably the biggest moment where I was like, holy darn, like this is not right. Like, and I was in tears all night and the whole thing. And, but like, you've got to figure it out. And then it has to be, you know, you got to get up the next morning and like go sell the flowers on the corner. And then the next day you've got to find some more and, and you just continue running. And I think that for me has been a really cool experience around um, being okay with figuring it out as you go and being okay with this. Like we really messed up. Yeah. Um, and your tolerance for that grows and grows. I like that mentality of uh, of just being willing to go and sell it on the corner yourself, right? <laughs> like you have to be yeah. willing to basically do every kind of job when you're running a business. Yeah. And I met someone the following year and I handed them a Calia business card. It was at some fancy tech event or something. And, and they were like, oh yeah, I've heard of this business. Like you're the girl that sells flowers out of your car. And I was like, no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, you missed the concept, but like, okay, like I guess. Like, well, like you're not you got flowers and you got me, yeah. like we're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. That does make me think though, take me back to your background in branding a little bit, because I know you have this corporate background and you're really strong in that. And with Calia, if you order the flowers from Calia, you'll see if anyone listening has ordered them before, because it comes in this beautiful box and everything is really well thought out. Um, and even actually explain for our listeners what your model looks like as far as yeah. just three bouquets at a time and stuff like that, so that everyone knows. But then, but then tell us about how branding played a piece right from the start, because that what you're seen as this lady selling flowers out of her car obviously wasn't the brand from the beginning, which yeah. is, it's a funny story, but take us back to that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I was really looking at is how do you bring a different experience to flowers? And so, um, the, the story that I talk about in terms of the light bulb moment is wanting to send flowers to a friend. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and, and just not really feeling something that vibed with what I was looking for in terms of ease of ordering and kind of the brand experience and kind of reflective of what I was expecting, um, for a bouquet of flowers that I would, I would want to send. And um, part of that for me is around um, a few things. So one is all online ordering for sure, like digital, super easy, commerce, the whole thing. And mm -hmm. we put a lot of, of effort into that. Half of my team is developers. So um, the tech piece is huge for us, both from a front-end ordering perspective, but also from a fulfillment perspective. We can talk a little bit about that. But um, we also do things differently from an inventory perspective. As you would have seen, we only do three bouquets at a time, all based on what's in season and then rotate them out every few weeks. So um, because I'm a marketing nerd, I love the concept of tyranny of choice. And so um, the more choices you have, the less likely you are to choose one. And that was one of the things that was 
consistent for me when I was a customer far before Calia. You know, how do you choose? Like this flower, that flower, this bouquet, that bouquet. Like, I don't know. Mm. So we try and make it easier for people. Um, and then definitely the box is kind of being part of that experience. And I think we, we talk about making it, making it really about the special way that you deliver a moment. Because when you're sending flowers to someone, like it's kind of about the flowers, but it's way more about like the experience that you have with someone. Yeah, the feeling they get totally. even literally opening it, no matter what they look like. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's got to be about those details. Like every one of those components has to be really special. And and we also wanted to make sure that it was a consistent experience that people could trust. And, and sometimes we talk about what we're trying to do and obviously at a much smaller scale, but, you know, Starbucks going into coffee, lots of mom and pops, very fragmented market, um, some great coffee shops, some that are struggling, some amazing artisanal coffee shops, some that are like, well, I don't know about this. Um, and we talk about that with flowers, you know, Calia can come in and provide this consistent experience. You know what the box is going to be like, you know what the bouquet is going to be like, you know that it's all going to be, you know, proper details packaged with care, all those things. Um, that consistency I think is really important for people and something that we've tried to, to guarantee and, and guarantee we do, um, so that you can trust when you order that it's going to be as we've promised. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you talk about that, that whole experience of, you know, the whole feeling that you get around it. I always wonder, like, is it, how do you reconcile the fact that people these days, the experience for sure being a part of it, but we often really want anything that we want. Like we want as much choice as possible in a way, right? So you talk about this tyranny of choice, but at the same time, people are like bending over backward to do whatever weird custom version of the coffee or the thing that their customer wants. How do you reconcile that? Like, does your staff ask you that even sometimes? Yeah, you know, I think for us, it's been two things. I think in order to guarantee the consistency every time, we had to be simple. And in order to guarantee the freshness every time, we had to be simple. And mm -hmm. so when you look at, you know, brand nerd, like if you look in our equity pyramid, like freshness and quality, those are all at the top. And choice isn't there. Like, it's just, it's not. And, right. and we've chosen kind of to take a stand on that. Like, if you want custom flowers, and my team will tell you this, if you call and you say, you know, I really want a dozen roses, or I really want this like amazing artisanal arrangement. Like we will give you a list of florists that we will send you to who will do an amazing job. But we've kind of drawn our line in the sand to say like, we cannot be everything for everyone and yep. we have to make a call on it. And, and that's a business decision it has to do with supply chain and all sorts of things, but it also is a customer choice. And, and I also got burned. I've got a funny story for you. So early okay. on, like one of the customers I would have answered the phone for probably 2017, and we had a bouquet similar to this and it had carnations and roses in it, um, a particular color. And she called and she said, well, I love this bouquet but I want to send it to my mom. And in our culture, um, white carnations are a symbol of death. And I was like, okay, so let's not include white carnations. Um, and so I wrote a note for the team who is going to be packing it, uh, bouquet people. And I said, hey, you know, substitute carnations for roses, right? So in my mind, that meant that they were going to take out the carnations and put roses in. But you can guess what happened. They did the opposite. <laughs> oh, no. And so the whole bouquet was white carnations and it was basically a death bouquet. And the girl <laughs> called me in tears. And it was like this whole thing. And, and that was my line in the oh, sand. No. Like we are not going to do customization and we have to right. make a call on it. Right. Um, and, and some of those, you're talking about failure, right? Like those are the things where it sticks with you, but it often forces you to make a business decision that you learn from and, and hopefully are the better for it. But, yeah. Yeah. No more death bouquets. That's a great story. No more death bouquets. Um, okay. Let's talk about something not as bad as death, but a yeah. scary experience that you had, which was a positive one in the end, which was being on Dragon's Den. This totally. is something I know our, our listeners want to hear about. Yeah. In the end, you 
guys came out really successful. So you had $500,000 for 12.5%, and it was with Manjeet Minhas. And that had to have been a really exciting moment. But tell us about the experience as a whole of deciding to go on and what it was like to actually be there. Yeah, you know, it's it's a... It's a scary experience. I think that's yeah. probably right. And I think um, for me, it was a lot of learning. So um, the, the process is quite long. And I think anyone um, who's been through it or looked at it will, will have seen that in terms of um, you apply a number of months before it would even be filmed and then it gets aired, you know, a number of months after that. So it's almost a year-long process by the time you're done. And so at the time, we were only in Western Canada and we were looking to expand to the East. We really wanted to get into Toronto and into the rest of Ontario and the Maritimes. And um, it fit from a number of reasons. We knew that we needed capital and we also knew that um, national exposure would be really helpful. And so, um, it, and it's also a good story, right? Like Prairie Company, it's it's easily digestible. Like from a, a brand and marketing perspective, it makes sense. And so um, we decided why not? And so I showed up at the CBC building and a bunch of other great Manitoba businesses um, with me and kind of went through the, the audition process, et cetera. And then we ended up being called to Toronto and um, filmed it two days before Mother's Day, which was talk about, you know, stressful experiences, like not a great time for me to be away from Winnipeg. Right, because you're typically but- Sending a lot of flowers during that period of time and you're helping the team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So not great, but we did it. Um, And uh, yeah, we filmed it in a studio similar to this, actually. Okay. Um, So way to go. Um, And uh, yeah, it's a crazy experience. I think the... It's reality TV, and I think that yeah. was really interesting learning for me. Um, and uh, it was a great experience overall. Obviously, um, what happens in the room versus what gets shown on television is sometimes two different things, but that's okay. And yeah. um, and and it worked out really well. We were really happy to make a deal with Manjeet. It's been a great experience for us since then. And and obviously, you'll have seen like the expansion in the East has been awesome, and, and it's been a great way to to share Calio with Canada and kind of support that story and support a prairie business and all that stuff. Yeah, you're literally in maritime provinces now, right on the coast. Mm-hmm. So you're literally coast to coast, as they yeah. say. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about the experience itself when when people do talk about how they you don't exactly know what they're going to show. You in fact don't even know if they're going to show anything, yeah. right? And so. I always wonder, there were some people that we had on early on the podcast who explained that they actually actively chose not to be on the show. They'd been approached Mm -hmm. or they had the opportunity. And partly it was because of that. They were kind of unsure of what they wanted to be perceived as, but they were a business that sold product as well. So uh, not unlike you, but different industry. Um, And I remember finding that really curious, like for them, the exposure and marketing they were concerned about And so for you, though, you were seeing it as a potential really positive experience because now people know who you are and they can buy off of you whether you got the money in the end or not, right? Yeah, you know, it's a risk. Like talk about risk aversion versus risk safe. You don't go on you're not going to get exposure. But if you go on, you're the risk. Like if you end up being the, the poor person that goes on, yeah, you know, you're on whatever America's got talent and you're the one whose voice is croaking and you think you're the star, like, right. like it's rough. Right. And yeah. I think, um, and that's hard, you know, it, it's, it's meant to be reality television. And so they find every crack or every piece of drama and exploit it. And I think, mm-hmm. um, it comes at a cost and, and the cost is, you know, are you willing to, to take that for, for the exposure? And I think yeah. um, in our case, I was really confident in the Calio business. I was really confident in what we had. And I, I felt that we had a compelling proposition for them, which, which we were fortunate to be able to share. Mm. Um, but I will say, you know, and, and this is, it's kind of a personal thing for me. I think I struggle with the advice, I guess, for startup or small business owners to be the face of their brand. Mm -hmm. Um, Because 
In 2021, social media and the internet and people at home keyboard warrioring yeah. um, is a real thing. And it's hard. You know, you know, Margo, I, I didn't want to be the face of Calia. Right. I, I still don't really love this. Like, this is not really my jam. Yeah. I, I'm much happier. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's why we haven't had you on the show yeah. sooner, because I think it wasn't something you were actively trying to do, right? Totally. And it's, you know, I'm really excited to build a great business. And I'm really excited about the team we have to build the business. But that has almost nothing to do with me as a person. And I think right. um, I, I don't want to be a politician or a, a face. Like, it's just not my right. thing. And, and I think it, it's hard because as consumers and as brand consultants and as business people, we are encouraging the face of the brand. We're encouraging the entrepreneur to get on their Insta story and, you know, document their day and yeah. the whole thing. And, and that's great because the upside of it is that you can really promote your business and people want to buy from people and, and showing the real stories is really important. But I think sometimes we forget that that comes at a cost to the individual because not all press is good press. And yeah. I think um, post Dragon's Den, and honestly, even since then, and, and perhaps as a, an appeal to your audience, like especially during COVID, people can be really, really awful. Yeah. Um, and they can be awful about your business. They can be awful about you. Like, about you, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really it's really sad. And I think, um, if I can get, you know, a bit raw and personal, I think Please. that was one of the things that was hard with Dragon's Den. After um, the experience. Yeah. After it aired. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think, um, for some people it lifts you, right? Like you get to go on, you do this thing and now your face and whatever. And I think it didn't do that for me. Right. Um, but it had the potential for the business. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a weird experience. And listen, at the end of the day, like you did an amazing job, Thank right? You. We watched the episode and yeah. we think like, and I, maybe it's because some of us know that there is a way more time that you're actually in the studio. So you're in there for an hour and you're getting grilled and they show this small section where yeah. maybe you don't answer a question exactly how the guy wants you to answer or whatever, right? <laughs> and if you've seen Catherine's episode yeah. with Callie Flowers, you can look it up. We'll, we'll put it in our show notes yeah. too. But um, there, there are those moments, right? Where you can see the, the emotion that's real mm -hmm. and then you get the reaction online and who knows how that goes, right? From a mental health perspective as a business owner, mm -hmm. have you learned anything that you can share about not just that experience, but being the face as a whole and oh. being a founder? You know, it's hard, Margo. I think... I think you have to remember what values your business has and you have to remember what makes you proud about your business um, and stand behind that. And then also remember that it's not going to be for everyone, I think point one. Mm -hmm. um, and that the way that people interact with you and your business is not necessarily reflective of you and your business. Sometimes it's reflective of what's going on with that person. Right. We see that a lot in flowers. You know, it's one of the things that's, that's unique. And if you think back to Dragon's Den, you know, um, we had some commentary around like, this is a really hard business, right? Like perishable is hard. Hard. Last mm. mile delivery is hard and emotional is really hard. Like if we're delivering you a pair of shoes or a pizza and we mess it up, it's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't get my Nikes on time. Right. I probably have chips in the cupboard if the pizza's not right. Totally. Right. Yeah. Like I didn't like pineapple, but like it's fine. I'll pick it off. But right. if we miss the flowers for your grandma's 85th birthday, or you don't like the arrangement you chose, or she doesn't like the arrangement you chose, or maybe she loves it, but like you guys aren't on great terms. Um, that plays back to Calia sometimes. And I think that's something that's really interesting around we, we get a very nuanced view into people's lives um, and the emotional of people's lives and the emotion of people's relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's hard sometimes to separate that and separate, you know, what's going on with our customers to what's going on with our flowers. And then even what's going on with our flowers to, to the way that people treat me, mm -hmm. um, the way that people treat my staff. It's, you know, I put an, an appeal on LinkedIn and I don't post on LinkedIn, but I did before Christmas. And um, I said, you know, we need to remember that there are real people working behind businesses because the mm -hmm. way that 
some of my test staff have been treated in the last couple of months, it, it, it's unbelievable. And you, know, you talk about mental health. Like I think we are yeah. struggling for mental health, I think as a society and gosh, I'm going on a tangent, but um, no, but it's real, right? It's interesting. It is. And it, it's, you know, it's real for the business and it's real for, you know, how do you put policies in place and how do you protect your team and all yeah. those kinds of things. But it's also real as the individual that's the face of the brand, you know, you tell Catherine that X, Y, Z, right? Like, okay, <laughs> like, thank you. And, and, <laughs> right. and it's hard because you say, you know, it's my business. It's not me, but you know, the nights when you're upset and, and you can't sleep and the yeah. whole thing, like, what do you do? So, yeah. um, yeah, that was probably a bit longer of a rant than perhaps you wanted, but it, it's personal for me. It's, it's real. No, I very much appreciate that yeah. topic. I think the topic of mental health as a business owner is a really important one. And I think it's also to your point, important, what we stand for as a people, as a, as a community, right. Who are using all these products and brands and services, especially during the pandemic when everyone's working literally as hard as they can yeah. to a lot for a lot of businesses, even just to survive. So to get a bad review or to have someone like hindering the way that they're feeling when everyone's just working like to their capacity under really strange circumstances, yeah. I think it is important that we address that. So I appreciate you yeah. talking about it. Thank you. Catherine, from a business perspective with Dragon's Den, what would you have done if you had not gotten that investment? Were there other pitches and things you were doing? So we've been fortunate along the way. You know, you talk about support systems and how do you scale a business? How do you grow a business quickly? And I think there's a number of pieces of that. There's advice and mentorship. There's team. And we'll talk about team, I hope, a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, there's also capital and investment and choices that you make in order to get funds to grow. And, and we've been fortunate to, to raise cash in a few different ways, raise yeah. investment in a few different ways. So um, we've had a number of supporters along the way, and, and we've been fortunate to be able to work with a number of people. And so... Um, yeah, I think that's that's been a key part of our success in terms of different different people that have stepped up with support, with advice, and sometimes with cash yeah. um, to help us grow. Yeah. When you're looking at other forms of investment, mm -hmm. um, do you have advice for listeners? Like, was it easier or harder to get the Dragon's Den investment compared to other <laughs> investments? Like, would you actually recommend it at this point, having done it? Like, obviously yeah. for you, it was positive, but there's there are many ways that you can get money. So what would you say? Yeah. So I can tell you a little bit of a history too. So Calia um, started in 2016 and we raised, I think one of the things that you and I talked about before we started this was that there aren't a lot of kind of case studies on how businesses, particularly from Manitoba, kind of raise and scale. So I'm happy to kind of share that. So yeah, please. Um, we started, I bootstrapped it for the first, you know, six months. Then we raised a bit of kind of a pre-seed. And so angels got involved in that. Um, I learned how to pitch. I learned how to build a deck. I failed a whole bunch of times, yeah. um, but we had some Harder great people behind us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And people who I think, again, like that culture fit and the vibe has been really important in terms of people that have been in my corner and in Calia's corner now for three or four years through a number of ups and downs. Um, and so that's been really good. And then we took some debt um, in order to support kind of the rest of the growth. And then we raised again, and then we raised again, um, and we've just raised again. So um, there's lots of been kind of some good growth behind it. And um, along the way, we've been able to kind of take these baby steps, some with angels, some with institutional, but kind of refining, you know, what is the plan for the next 12 months and what are we going to need from a um, KPIs and also then cash flow perspective in order to achieve it. And, mm -hmm. and kind of just taking those 12-month increments um, has been really helpful for us. And now we're on the next one and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I think in there is really good advice, right? Because I think someone who's like debating their first round or even just looking at what their mm -hmm. business idea is and thinking, maybe I can bring this somewhere. It's like you said earlier about setting a goal of six bouquets a month or setting a goal of 12 years of what you need funding-wise, right? As opposed to like looking at the next 10 years and freaking out too much. Totally. So I think that's some yeah. good advice in there that you've given. 
Catherine, we're going to jump to our speed round now. Oh, okay, I'm ready. Yes, right? <laughs> we've got oh, we got ups and downs here yeah, today. That's great. Um, so with the speed round, you just answer in a couple words or a sentence or two, and then we go quickly on to the next question, and I'll let you know when oh, we're done. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, <laughs> the first question is, describe yourself in a word or two. Oh, I will use what my husband gave me when we first started dating, fashionable and forward thinking. But I think we've lost the fashionable, so maybe forward thinking. It's COVID, it's not your fault. <laughs> forward thinking. Um, what motivates you? Doing something that no one's done before. What keeps you up at night? Oh, doing something that no one's done before. <laughs> Who has been the most influential person for you? He's gonna, he, I hope he has feels, but probably Marshall Ring when it comes to Calia. I love it. Okay. Um, what is one thing in business that you are so happy that you did? Hired great people. There you go. And we were just talking about this. What is most important for your mental health now? What do you do? Unplug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's one thing you were wrong about? Oh, <laughs> too many things to <laughs> one list. One many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Catherine, how do you continue to learn and to grow? Hire great people. I'm going to use the same answers for all the things. Can I do that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> the next one, it might not work. Where are you in 10 years? Hopefully retired. <laughs> Love it. Um, what does being a leader mean to you? Supporting. That is our speed round. Oh. You can relax. Yeah, I feel like it just needs to be multiple choice questions. And then I can just like right. plug them in. We need like, like a digital screen <laughs> yeah. that you can just tap the Or a answers. matching, one of those matching yeah. games. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, that was funny that you had a few of the same answers. I, and yeah. I think it's because, you know, partly it's in your mind in a speed round and yeah. partly it's a, it's a real answer. But um, tell us about the the staying up at night. Like it's your, mm. it's your people, it's your business and doing something innovative. Yeah. Um, what does that feel like? as a business owner? You know, it's, um, it's exciting, I think. Um, and, and then that's, that's the easiest way to describe it, I think. But for me, it's also, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and, and remembering that even as we grow and we have more people and we have more expectations and the rest of it, that that piece that we talked about earlier where like it's still okay to fail, I think is important. But the definition of failure, I think, becomes different. And so, um, you know, failure early on was having too many bouquets or failure early on was delivering the wrong bouquet. You know, those things just go part of process and those things don't really keep me up at night anymore unless we miss like hundreds of bouquets and then it's a problem. But <laughs> right. um, and then it's your bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like typically that stuff's all fine. But I think now I think what stresses me out is um, making sure, you know, talk about leadership, some of the choices that we are making as a team. And I'm fortunate now, like it's not just me anymore, right? Like we have a great senior leadership team. We have a great, you know, executional team, all the rest of it. But um, that some of those strategic choices are going to serve the business are going to, and by the business, I mean, are going to serve the team in terms of like, will you still have a job? You know, can you get a raise next year? What does this look like for your future? Um, does it serve our investors and institutional investors in terms of the choices that they've made? And, and does it serve our customers? And, and the choices aren't, I don't know if they're less black and white than they used to be, but they're really, really gray. Um, and I think that's where I struggle in terms of you see all these different paths and you have to be able to use data and use advice and sounding boards and all the rest of it to make a call. But there isn't as obviously a right and a wrong answer anymore. Mm -hmm. There isn't a best solution. There are many good options and that's where it becomes difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you said that the way you learn and grow is also from your staff. Yeah. So have you perfected now hiring just the oh. right person? <laughs> you know, I, 
Actually, in a really cheesy way, I'd almost say yes, because okay. our team is so good. Like they are. And I, um, I don't think that has anything to do with me. I think it just has to do with how good they are. And, um, we talked from the very beginning, like we, we have to hire the cliched rock star. And I know you're not supposed to say that in postings, but like we kind of have to. Um, and, and we have this team that they're incredible, Margot. Like they, these are people who are so excited to build something. They're so excited to, to figure it out. They're problem solvers extraordinaire, but they also have each other's back. And that's the thing that's the coolest. Like, mm -hmm. you know, one of the most interesting things that I've been realizing recently is I don't know everything that goes on in Cali anymore. Ah, um, like there's lots of things now. that happen in, like, yeah. in different places and I yeah. have no idea. But mm -hmm. some of my favorite things are like, you know, Natasha's been working over here with Noreen and they've developed this whole cool program that I didn't know anything about. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's developer and marketing, figuring right. it out. Yeah. And, um, you have these, these, teams and these relationships that form of these people that are just incredible. And, and I think that is so inspiring for me. And I, like, I know it sounds cliche, but it honestly is so true um, in terms of how important that is to go to work every day. And, and that's also one of the reasons I wanted to start Cali. And I talk about this in our onboarding, whenever we have someone new come on board, um, I wanted to make a place that I wanted to go to work every day, super selfish, right? Um, but I also want that to be the, the case for everyone else. And if you're not loving to come to come to work every day, then we need to talk about it. We need to fix it. We need to have fun. But we play games every Wednesday. We we laugh, you know, and, and I think that's super important. And I think that for me is wildly motivating. And I also think it teaches me a lot. I love that anecdote, Catherine. <laughs> and you speak about your team so positively, which is really nice. And I'm curious, you know, in listening to you, if some of that potentially mm -hmm. comes from being a female CEO. Mm. You know, I'm hesitant and you know this, so that's a loaded yeah. question, but I, I'm so hesitant to identify as a female CEO instead of a CEO. Right. And I like that yeah. about you, actually. You know, and part of the reason I ask is because we do a lot of work to get more women in tech and, and you know, some of the initiatives that I work with on the side. And, and I think you can do all that stuff without necessarily needing to identify as it. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, you know, let me let me ask you a different angle. <laughs> what uh, what have been some differences that you've seen, like meeting other female CEOs or, or mm -hmm. being in this in, in or just being one? that have maybe changed your course a little bit. Other people might treat you differently because you're a female CEO and there's funding and there's yep. programs and things like that. So maybe speak to it from that angle. Yeah, I think, you know, some of the values that I hold that I think are often associated with women as leaders are around team, are around, you know, relationship building and like soft skills of leadership, which I think um, has been really important as part of our growth. Now I see that from both male and female leaders in my team, but yes. I think that's an important um, kind of criteria in terms of how we've grown and how our team has come together. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's the piece that's important for me um, in terms of where it comes to, to being, you know, a female CEO or whatever that looks like. I think it is really important to me to see women as role models. I think that's really important. And um, we've been fortunate to be part of different groups um, across Canada or whomever where, that highlight women leaders mm -hmm. and find women mentorship and give women exposure. I think that all is really important and I am a huge advocate for it. Yep. Um, and I think that plays out in women being really successful as business owners and as CEOs and whomever, um, regardless of their gender, which I think is important. Yeah, so, that's yeah. definitely something that's been highlighted in all the research that mm -hmm. for young women, for girls, seeing women in the roles that they aspire to is the biggest like indicator of change in their path. Yeah. So sure. yeah, that's yeah. so important. Um, 
I want to get into a little bit this growth journey that you've just alluded to here. Along the way, you guys, we talked at the very beginning, you've scaled into so many more cities now across Canada. Um, What has the scaling journey been like? Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so um, it's definitely grown. So we started in Winnipeg and then, as I mentioned, kind of started that next city in Edmonton, next city in Vancouver, um, and then kind of hung out for a while and we filled in some places in the West and then we moved East and um, now we're kind of filling in a couple little dots. We just opened Kingston, Ottawa, great places to send. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so always got to be pitching. But uh, yeah, for us, I think it's been an interesting um, expansion and and process to do that. We've gotten good at it, which I'm proud to say, you know, um, and this is something we learned from Skip and from other MTA companies. You need your playbook and how do you build it back and what is your step? And it's like a 127 step checklist to launch a city, um, which has obviously some checklists and all that stuff. But like, that's, that's how you launch wow, a city. Okay. Um, and it's cool. It's and, as and simple as it. a checklist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Catherine, just yeah you just, all right, yeah. perfect. We just got project management software and it blows my mind. Asana, like the best thing ever. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's been really good in times, times of growth. And I think one of the things that's helped us as well is the network effect in terms of, you have a customer in Winnipeg or Edmonton who's been loyal for a few years, but you know, their cousin is in Kingston or their aunt is in Victoria mm-hmm. or wherever in the Maritimes. And so you get some of that natural growth as you open in cities because you're just able to help people celebrate more. And I think that's been um, exacerbated at um, and emphasized at COVID, particularly during the holiday season where we had people, you know, sending across the country to people that they hadn't seen mm-hmm. in uh, months or, or even a year. And so that's been really cool to kind of watch that connectivity happen yep. um, beyond just kind of a couple core cities. It is definitely really cool, all the connections that we yeah. make um, within our country. Everyone is so interconnected within our world really now. And so that's got to be valuable when you're opening yeah. in new cities. And it's funny, as you're talking to, I was thinking about the very last episode of season two that we had before you here, yeah. you're launching our season three. Um, we had VidDay on and VidDay is an okay. app where you can send a video montage yeah. really easily done using, you know, people submitting videos from all over the sure. place and it edits it for you. And I was thinking, that's a cool collaboration. You could send a bouquet of flowers with the video. I'm like this. Very cool. Connect I like it. You, Catherine, <laughs> after the show. Um, one thing I was curious about, when you were on Dragon's Den, they asked you to share like some of your metrics and things like that. Yep. And I'm keeping us on, on the topic of scaling here, though, because I'm curious. You mentioned at one point that you were in a number of cities before being on the show. And you mentioned that in a lot of those cities, it was not yet profitable. Mm-hmm. And yet you were opening in more cities and you were there for funding to continue opening in more cities. So I'm curious, when do you know to start a new city when the last one is not yet profitable? Like, is it a certain margin? Are you just being really brave? You know, clearly it's worked out for you in the long run here, yeah. but but talk us through that a little bit. You know, there's a balance. And we were just talking this through actually last week in terms of prioritizing different pieces of the business and how we want to play it out. And um, it, part of our growth plans is to be this kind of Starbucks-like, you can send wherever you want with Calia. And right. so in order to be able to deliver on that, you have to have a certain level of coverage. Um, and so we probably opened the East faster than we should have because we really wanted that coast-to-coast moniker. Like that was really important for us from a strategic perspective to be able to say like, yes, you can send Cali across Canada. Um, And it opened up a number of corporate deals for us and like a a couple of other things that were really important to be able to have that that final delivery all the way across. Um, But when we look at, you know, choosing new cities, we look at population, we look at density, we look at all those things. We see a couple, when you talk about milestones, like each city will have a couple key 
like plateaus almost that you would hit in terms of when we're able to do different things um, in terms of efficiency. So inventory management and driver efficiency and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so we try and move a certain number of cities kind of through each of those stages. Um, Obviously we'd like them all to be at the top, but, but you also can't be too volume heavy in one place over another. Like, and, and especially because our business is so seasonally heavy and this is something that's quite unique, like Valentine's day for us. um, Gosh, like we will be delivering a heck of a lot of bouquets in one day. Please order early. So much easier for me if you order early, but um, (laughs) like it's a, in a, in a lot, in a single day. And it's a lot easier to do that in multiple cities because you spread the load. Whereas if it's all concentrated in one city, it's really, really hard because to deliver 10,000 bouquets in Winnipeg on a single day would be like bonkers. Right. Um, But to do it across the country is not bad. So um, that's where like, we kind of have to balance, like, yes, you want a couple big drivers, but you also need to kind of spread the love and, and make sure that the rest of your cities are growing in concert. And I think that's, it's, it's been a challenge for us. Like, I, I honestly can't say that we figured it out, um, but we've got kind of some general guiding principles that help mm. us as we make those choices. I know that one of the things on the show too, when Manjeet gave you the offer, the piece that we got to see anyway, uh, she mentions being able to potentially help with supply chain and like mm-hmm. some of those pieces. Yeah. Has that happened? Like, did you learn through that how to make this model work better? Oh, you mean supply chain and flowers is crazy. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, uh, and COVID has not helped. So yes, we are always optimizing. Yes, we are always looking on better solutions. Yes, I will probably still be making bouquets on Valentine's Day. So (laughs) personally, (laughs) yes, personally. So will my husband, like maybe you, like, what are you doing? Feb 13th. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Let me check my calendar. (laughs) Yeah. We'll stay six feet apart. Yeah. 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 Um, Now, when you're scaling into all these different cities, it means you have, you know, warehouses and you have drivers and things like that, Mm -hmm. right? But as far as core staff, Mm -hmm. did they also um, move across the country as well? Do you have staff, the core staff in different cities now? It really depends. So we work different models in different cities. So it really depends. Um, But we've been fortunate to have great people kind of that we work with across the country. And um, our head office is still based here, which is great. And so, um, yeah, like super proudly (laughs) Manitoba. Manitoba. Um, which is great to see. And, yeah. and, you know, I talk about the strength of our team and the way that we've been connected and all the rest of it. It's also been really interesting through COVID, right? Like, um, in some ways being geographically dispersed was a benefit to us because as we went into COVID, we were actually fairly used to working remotely anyway, because we were used to, you know, dealing with warehouses across the country and dealing with people across the country and like doing everything not in person physically. Like a Mm. lot of our training documents were video. A lot of those things were already done. Which is nice. Yeah. Because you're able to do it and you don't rely on that, like come do a seminar for 45 minutes in person. Um, And so a lot of that was actually beneficial for us. And, Mm. And it's also been interesting too, as we've grown, you know, my, our, our most recent two hires for our leadership team. So a new finance lead and a new marketing lead, um, haven't come from Winnipeg, sorry, Winnipeg, but, um, from, from Regina and from Vancouver respectively. And, Mm. and that's been a cool opportunity for us. You know, can you have a Winnipeg company that is headquartered here, will be headquartered here, like proudly, I'm not moving in here. Um, but, uh, how can you do that, but bring in kind of national talent to be able to accelerate some of that growth. And Mm. and I'm really excited about how that's going to be. I don't know yet. They've only been here a couple months, but that's been neat to see. And you get different perspectives, right? And, And you, you do bring in knowledge from other places, which which can be really valuable. Yeah. Um, your core staff that you had originally when you started this big expansion, so say even that time where you get the funding and now you're really doing all yeah. Eastern Canada, what does that feel like for them? How do they keep up? 
It's a great question. Um, and maybe you should get them on. <laughs> maybe when I'm not here, so you get the real story. But um, it, it's been a really cool journey. I, I'm actually really proud. We have had um, incredible loyalty from our team in terms of people that have stayed the whole way. So um, my first employee stayed for a year. She left for a while, like found herself in Asia. She actually just came back full time last week. Um, oh. So that would be like four years ago. She was gone for a couple of years. And then like back you come, which is a joke that we say, like you can't leave Cali. Like you're here <laughs> forever. Um, but, um, that's been really neat in terms of consistency. And then like, we have a group, we call them the OGs, like the original group and yep. they're all still here. Um, I have another one who you knows she started as marketing lead and then she has now transitioned into an HR role. Um, and, and it's cool to see the growth. I think, um, they were all either career changers or new grads. And so as much as I have grown in terms of never been an entrepreneur, never been a, you know, company leader, any of those things yeah. that I've figured it out along the way. I think they too have figured out a lot along the way. Mm -hmm. And um, when we talk about um, career growth and their plans and those things, it's really neat to look back and say like, you know, what did your first review look like in 2017, 2016? I did that with one of my guys. Did you keep day. them? We did. Good for you. Yeah. That, first of all, that's good that <laughs> you have the They're in tabs and in Excel. So like, all right, all right. <laughs> it's not that complicated, but like I, I was joking. So our tech lead, um, his name is Marcus and he was hired. So our first or second developer, he'd come straight out of school um, as a junior developer developer, green, green, green. He barely knew how to make things bold more than I did. No, just kidding. He did. <laughs> um, but uh, he he started as a junior developer and like figured it out as he, as he went. And over the last four years, he's grown into being our tech lead. He leaves a team of eight developers. Like that's incredible. And, and that growth has been really neat to see. And yeah, I'm really proud of him for it. But I mean, you've just told a few stories of employees like pivoting jobs or taking on way more leadership, starting quite junior. How do you trust your team like that? You have to have great people. And I think they trust me and therefore I trust them. I mean, it's, you know, we talk about the risk of the entrepreneur, right? Like you jump in and you leave your job and you do your thing. And is it going to work? Like everything we talked about at the beginning, but there's also huge risk from employee one and two and three and four and five mm. and 10. Like you follow this girl into the unknown and like you hope she's got it figured out. Like she might have it figured out. And um, I was talking to our, our former market marketing lead who's now leading HR. And she came to Cali mid-career and she was employee four, employee five. And she only told me now, like this was three or four years ago, she'd left some big corporate job to come to Cali career change. And uh, she told me how she went home day one after walking into like our four or five person office at the MTA. And she went home and said to her husband, like, what have I done? <laughs> like, like yeah. what is this? Um, but she's still here three years later. I'm like, I hope she's happy, but um, <laughs> it, it's been a cool experience. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like an amazing journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about you scaling and all these different pieces and bringing your staff along. And now you have a whole other venture. It's it's a, in the same world, but a little bit different. Yeah. Tell us about Ivy and that's I-V-I-E in yes. case people are looking it up. <laughs> What is that business now? Yeah, so we had this hypothesis that you could take the similar concept to Calia. So online ordering, simple experience, only three plants or only three flowers um, delivered in a box all the way to your door and scale that across another parallel industry. And if you look at perishable, gifted, something with a similar supply chain, plants is that. Um, and and all these millennials and young professionals like us who like aren't yeah. having children, we have plants. I have so many and, more plants than yeah. before COVID. <laughs> and so um, we... We, we tested it. And so we launched it, I don't know, six months ago, maybe a year ago now, and uh, basically reskinned Calia into Ivy. Right. Um, and yeah, same concept, three plants at Use a time. Use what you have. Yep. Yep. 
we labeled the website and, and off we go. And so it's been really neat to see it. Um, Callie has been growing so quickly that Ivy's kind of just along for the ride right now. Sure. Um, and so we're in Manitoba and Saskatchewan with Ivy, but not quite yet across the country. There's some exciting plans, but not too much yet. Um, and yeah, it's cool. It's, it's been fun to grow. Do you make some of the same mistakes again? even though you have the systems in place? You know what? Not so bad. I will say that. Like, we're, we're better in some ways. I do think one of the things that I've learned, you talk about one of your speed round questions was like, when have you messed up or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't have an answer. But it's... Um, that it's hard to distinguish between growth opportunity and distraction. And that's been a really interesting challenge for us. Um, you know, as much as we like to fail, we also are quick to embrace opportunities. And that's one of our... our you know, culture principles. Like we try new things. We, we try things quickly. We will always say yes to trying something new mm-hmm. um, with the expectation that we'll fail a whole bunch of the time. Yeah. Um, most of the ideas that fail are mine. But um, when you do that, you run the risk of having so many things going on that you're just distracted from what your core is. And I think through COVID, we've had to be intentional about really scaling back some things that we were pursuing that just like didn't really make sense as, as distractions from the business. And um, Ivy is, is cool in that you replicate and Ivy is cool in that the learnings apply. Um, and it's been a really nice kind of additive to the business, but um, it, it's also a challenge for us to make sure that we see it as incremental and as something that's scalable and not just something that's like, oh yeah, this other business, not just Calio. Right, right. Yeah, to keep focus on both things because now sure. you're essentially the CEO of two totally separate businesses. Well. <laughs> Although they are quite similar, <laughs> yes. right? It's it's a whole other piece that you need yeah. to lead. Um, and that's really neat. So good for you for, for taking another risk at this point in time. Yeah. Um, Catherine, we like to give some resources to our listeners mm-hmm. here too. And I know you said a lot of your learning happens through your staff, but mm-hmm. do you have other ways of bringing in new knowledge, like a book that you've really loved, you know, that you read at some point that really made a difference for you or, or anything like that that kind of comes to mind? You know what? I don't have anything in terms of like, read these 10 steps and this has changed my life. Yeah, right. um, but I... I will say that I've started trusting a lot more the power of a sounding board of a group of opinions. And that's become a process that I've learned in terms of helping clarify and get good information prior to making decisions. And I think early on in Cali, I was very quick to like, okay, you make this decision and then you make this decision and then you make this decision. And and now I tend to, not perfect, but I try, our team tries to really like bounce ideas off people that are going to have different perspectives. And that's great when you have a senior leadership team. It's also really great when you've got a group of advisors or investors or whoever. And like, I've got my little, it's not a little black book, but it's a little, I don't know, purple book or something of people that I call for different things. It's like, okay, distribution issue. Here's the three people that I'll call, um, you know, marketing issue. Here's the three people that I'll call. Um, and our team does too. And sometimes it's internal or external, but, um, I think for me, as much as you have to trust your gut as an entrepreneur, for me, it's also been how can you use this network of people? You know, you talk about people who really want to support startup and support entrepreneurs. How can you use that network? And use is the wrong word, but um, connect with that network mm-hmm. to get the expertise of people that are way smarter than you and ask way better questions and all those things. Because yeah. I think um, that helps me clarify my thinking a lot um, and gives me more confidence in my decisions. And that's been really helpful as we grow. That's really smart because along the way, there are people that literally come up and offer you support, right? Like even with the show, we have that, how can I support you? People will say, because when you put yourself out there, we do have a great community and people do want to support you. But I think that's a really smart idea of just literally keeping tab on it of who can help with what kind of items. That way too, you're not always going to the same person every time you need something. So they're not kind of getting exhausted of you. Yeah. 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 It's good. And and I think we're fortunate to have those people that support and and that's been a huge part of the Cali journey. Mm -hmm. What's next for you? 
Ah, Valentine's Day. <laughs> so we've got to get <laughs> One through thing that. thing at a time. COVID One Valentine's Day, which is going to be so crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've got lots of growth in Canada yet to come. You know, I talked about really building out the team. We've made some really important hires that I'm really excited about um, in terms of creating some more structure for the team and some more growth for the rest of the team. Um, and then we'll see. I mean, Ivy's hanging out. There's there's a, a number of markets on the continent that we haven't addressed yet. Um, there, on the continent, I yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so we've, we've got some exciting growth plans. So so it's going to be a good year. 2021 is going to be a good ride. Awesome. So keep an eye out, Calia Flowers. And Catherine, if people want to find out more, if they're interested in learning from you any further than we have here today, where can they go? So Calia.com for Calia, but also reach out. Like I, I, I can't say this enough. Calia would not be here without the support that I have received. And I am happy to pass on the knowledge of those wiser than I am to people that um, could use the advice that I could have. So um, I'm happy to be a conduit if people want to. Uh, connect, I'm happy to reach out. Yeah. And you've done that here today too, Catherine. So thanks so much for coming on Start Canada Podcast. And that is it for today. Thanks so much. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about our guests, visit startpodcast.ca and be sure to rate and review us wherever you're listening. If you're new to the show and want more Canadian business inspiration, subscribe before you go. Start Canada Podcast is produced by your host, Margot Miller, with audio and visual creation by Event Pro and support from Dunar Systems. Start Canada Podcast is powered by the Manitoba Technology Accelerator and Tech Manitoba and sponsored by Scotiabank. Scotiabank.